The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Lembit Opic Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Four minutes past seven in the morning, Greenwich Mean Time UK, uh, and uh, one hour later in a lot of Europe, and uh, uh, just coming to mid-evening in Sydney and Melbourne and mid-afternoon in Perth. Good day to you wherever you are listening to uh, TNT Radio, the home of free speech, where we find the facts, share them as best we can, express our opinions, but labelled as such, and ask you to do one thing. Think for yourself. This is what we do at TNT Radio, and the blessing is we're allowed to do that too, but we never dress up our opinions as facts. We do the best we can to separate the two and let you do the rest. Uh, Coming up in this hour, we have a fact and opinion-filled period. We've got Toyana Williams-Brubeskis from the United States talking about developments on the southern U.S. border. What's going on there? We'll find out from her. TJ, she's known as. Uh, We've, of course, got Gemma Cooper coming up in a few minutes' time as well with her unique take on the world. And uh, we've got... uh, We've got Anna McGowan, who's going to give us an overview of what she's seen in the news. I just want to go to a couple of stories that I've noticed myself. It looks like former Prince Harry, who I like to call uh, call Harry Markle on account of his marital status, has got no fewer than five legal actions going on at the moment. He always seems to be litigating. Why? And the question I really ask myself is, how much is too much? Perhaps he's actually taking one for the team. Maybe what he's doing is in the interests of free speech and, most importantly, privacy around the world. Uh, one of his legal challenges is over security. It'll reach the High Court next week. Apparently, it's just been announced. Uh, and he seems to be feeling that he's entitled. Uh, he's always had the sense of entitlement, I think. Entitled to have his own security at the cost of the taxpayer. It might even be that he's willing to pay for it himself. It's not entirely clear to me what he wants, but I do know that he's got in the habit of using courts all the time. Uh, apparently, the Duke and Duchess uh, of Sussex announced their intentions from to step back from uh, senior roles in January 2020, but still feel that they have to have security. I wonder what you think. Um, and uh, I wonder how good you think they are as ambassadors for the UK. Maybe they don't see themselves as such. Maybe they're ambassadors for Netflix now. And just one other one, uh, which I wanted to mention, this swine flu story, which we were talking quite a lot of depth about uh, earlier on. Why does a single case in the UK get so many headlines? I want to go to some of the comments that you're making here on the uh, on the chat. Um, uh uh, uh, Ivan says, maybe you may as well have interviewed Holly as you'd have had better answers. Talk about vague. I think that's Ivan about our Turkish guest. I think that our Turkish guest was being deliberately careful because she didn't want to take a side. I think her the nature of her response told us more than the content. That's probably what Erdogan is doing to stay friends with the West and the East, but I'll let you be the judge. Uh, 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 Jethro says, Ascardia is way more interesting than phony world politics. Ascardia is the world's first space nation, first digital democracy. I do know quite a lot about it, but I won't go into that now. Um, Alex is talking with Holly. 
uh, about uh, I think the uh, yeah about Ascardia. Yes, I'm involved in it actually. Yes, I am. You're quite right, folks. I won't go into it today just because it's a distraction. But I'm very happy to discuss it. I'll tell you what. I'm going to get somebody on about Ascardia, then I can share my involvement too. And not being obtuse, it's all on the internet. If you want to find out, um, Alex is right. I'm actually chairman of the of the Ascardia Parliament. Um, that's right. But I'll talk about it on another day. Uh, just one more. Uh, Holly says there's never been a visa restriction for Russians going to Turkey. It's a holiday destination for them, uh, and uh, I think I think that uh, I think we all know which side his bread is. Their bread is buttered on. Uh, just one more from Louise. I used to like Harry before Meghan came along. Can't stand them now. They can have security, but pay for it themselves. If I can, I'll get somebody on in this hour to talk about that as well. No promises there. Um, and I also do promise to come back to the Ascardia story. You're obviously very interested in it. Love to talk about that one, actually. It's a lot of fun. But let's go to somebody else. She's no space man. Uh, it's Gemma Cooper. Very terrestrial, uh, but in a spiritual way. Good morning again, uh, Gemma. Good morning. Yeah, Harry Markle. I like that. It is Harry Markle, isn't it? He, she's done a number on him, honestly. The, the change. Or, or is it the real him coming out? I don't really want to talk about the royals particularly because I'm not, you know, it's all it's all smoke and mirrors and pomp and part of the control mechanism that we all kind of bow down to in this society. That's my take on it. I know you, you're a bit more of a royalist than me, but yeah, when she came on the scene, well, I remember, this is just like anecdotal, but her sister, uh, her half-sister, Samantha, said, don't go near my sister. You don't know what you're letting yourself in for. And everybody thought Samantha was the nuts one. Turns out, maybe not. Maybe she had a bit more of a inside knowledge but yeah it's, it's it's entertaining to watch sometimes with a bit of popcorn that one i'm not very keen on harry um i i think that he's basically been duped but either way it's clear they were planning their story <coughs> sorry before they left so what do you got for us well, we were talking about um, artificial intelligence at the top of the last hour, weren't we? Kids being taught by robots. That's the that's the global plan. I think it's certainly the plan in the UK, uh, Rishi Sunak. And uh, we're staying kind of on AI or kind of well, social media, you know, but it's digital technology. And it's a, it's a story that's caught my eye this morning here in the UK, some figures out today. And I wonder, they, they're only applicable to the UK at the moment, but I wonder if this is a trend we're seeing in other countries. But it's a Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, um, is losing millions millions and millions of um, visitors to the site, um, three million um, after Musk took over. It seems he's been a bit of a controversial figure. Uh, so last, this May rather, there were 24 million users on a, on a, a selective day, and that was down from 26.8 million users uh, the year before. And um, these figures have come from the UK media regulator Ofcom, and there's also some separate data from the audience research panel Ipsos Iris. Um, which shows it's declining completely in popularity with uh, UK users. Now, I'm not on social media, but I found these I found these figures quite um, enlightening, actually, because it's easy to think that everybody is spending all their time on, on X. So the reach of this platform has now fallen from 61% of UK adults in 2021. When you think about 2021, everybody was on social media, weren't they, you know, mm -hmm. talking about loads of different things. Mm -hmm. And the reach is now down to 50%. Um, this year. Uh, it does seem it's Elon Musk that's driving people away. I mean, he is quite a controversial figure, isn't he? Um, and I was thinking to myself, oh, well, this is absolutely brilliant because I'm not on social media. I came off social media when the tabloids were knocking at my door in 2020. And it was the most liberating thing 
I, I'd done for myself over the last few years, actually, is come off social media and just rid myself of that addiction to staring at screens. Um, so I was thinking, this is great. People are coming off social media. Um, but no, it seems they're going over to rival services and they, those services are absolutely booming. Now, I didn't even know about this and I should know about this thing because I'm, a, I'm involved in the news. But apparently there was a new social platform called Threads launched in June by Instagram. I'm sure everybody on the chat will know what this is, but I didn't. I don't know how I missed it. And it was the most rapidly downloaded app in history with 100 million global users within five days. And in the UK, uh, by the autumn, almost a quarter of adults in the whole of the UK, in a population of 60 million, ha had used it. Um, so it seems that social media is alive and well. And I, I just want to throw in my own personal opinion on this one. I just think it's one of the most awful things that humanity's ever invented. And it brings out the worst in people. Just talking about Harry and Meghan there, you know, the, the way that they use mm. images and, and the media, social media and all of that stuff. So um, it does seem that it, although people are coming off X, they're moving over to this threads. And, and the demographic as well of, of social media users, it's the oldies on Facebook, which I'm sure everybody knows, and the 18 to 24-year-olds on TikTok and Snapchat and the more instant ones. But I wonder if um, this Twitter exodus is being reflected in Australia and America and whether people are realizing that spending your life staring at a screen and reacting from your ego to other people's egos is not maybe the sum total of human potential. And maybe there are better things that we could all be doing mm. with our time. I don't know if you're on social media that much <clears throat> yourself, Lambert. I, I, when I was a member of parliament, my team told me I had to get onto these networks. Uh, be warned, folks, if you follow me on Facebook and things happen there, it's only by accident. I never look at Facebook ever. Uh, literally never look at it. I don't really even understand how it works. Uh, Gemma, I think I come from a generation where actually meeting people for real is more important than just uh, tweeting. Uh, the, the miracle of what we do on TNT Radio, it feels like we are together because you've got the vision. It's real. There's no AI-generated uh, input. But with, with Twitter and so on, it feels to me that we've got an entire culture which superficializes interaction. It's a bit like the swipe left swipe right right thing i can see the benefit of making friends online maybe it's better than i think but i'm wary of it because i sense a social distancing occurring and although i haven't got statistical evidence for it maybe there is some i'm concerned that young people now are less socially educated than my generation or am i just becoming my father Gemma? <laughs> No, I don't think so. Not in this case. It's very easy to when when you're our age and our demographic midlife, you know, and, and people say, oh, OK, boomer and all that stuff to people like us because, we're, you know, we're not young anymore. But also with with age comes wisdom. And you can certainly see that this um, like exodus of, of humanity onto a screen, uh, it, mm. it, it isn't it can't be a good thing because it's just one way of interacting with the world. And it doesn't bring out the best in people, does it? The digital technology. And you would mm. people say things online that they would never dream of saying to somebody's face because you've said it to somebody's face face to face. You, you would escalate into quite a serious row, but people seem to think you can say really horrible things on social media and it's somehow acceptable. And you know, I was very encouraged when I saw the headline today that you know millions of people are leaving Twitter. And then I was thinking, oh, this is great. People are finally realizing this is a control mechanism. No, 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 they've just gone over to this threads thing. And now I've got, even me, I'm thinking, I better go and have a look and find out what this threads thing actually is. 
but I don't want to get sucked into it. But I thought, well, I need to know. I need to know I'm in the news mm. business. I can't believe I missed it, probably because I wasn't engaged so much with the news over the summer. But, you know, it, there's obviously the fact that there is this thread and it was the most downloaded app in history. Think about how many apps there are. It's the most downloaded app in history. It means there is still this huge appetite for people interacting online and not meeting face to face. But at the same time, you've got the rise in social anxiety. Yeah, because people have forgotten how to talk to each other. People have forgotten how to make eye con- real eye contact. That actually does make people very nervous, actually, eye contact. Um, but, I, you know, people, we're architects of our own demise, aren't we, with this one? Yeah, I, I wouldn't restrict it. In the spirit of free speech and, and freedom of expression, if people want to do it, then that's fair enough. My my concern is it's a bit like carbohydrate relationships, really, uh, because there's not much protein in just lambasting people from a distance and from a keyboard, keyboard warriors, I think they're called. I've met quite a few of them, people who've been critical of me, and then they've shown up. And they're such cowards whenever you meet them face to face. You say, why did you libel me on that system? Oh, well, I didn't mean it. Well, why did you write it then? Oh, it was a joke. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and you realize that it's almost you live in your own echo chamber. You feel that you become famous because you've got 12 followers and you said something about somebody famous. Once again, I don't. I, I want to be clear here. I don't want to sound uh, sanctimonious about it. But I do worry, Gemma, that if my child starts thinking that having a digital interaction on a social network is comparable to actually going around for a play date uh, at her friend's house, I think that would be wrong. Fortunately, she doesn't think that way, but I think that a lot of children do. And it's easier to give a child a, an iPad or something or similar thing rather than actually driving them around to their friend's house. Well, and it goes back to what we were talking about at the top of the last hour, the other headlines out today about giving a child a robot as a personal tutor. It's the same mm-hmm. thing, isn't it? whether it's a small screen or a robot sat in front of you, it's the same thing. And what that does to a child's brain or, or an adult's brain, um, well, the jury's still out, but it doesn't affect the brain in a brilliant way. It does affect the brain in the same way as addiction. The, the, the reward pleasure centers light up when you look at a screen and you become increasingly addicted to it. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, everyone's coming off social media, which would be my dream, my dream, not everyone else's. But then I was like, no, they've just gone somewhere else. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's proliferation. If I could think of a social media site that would make me 50 million quid, I'd probably do it. In fairness, though, uh, digital technology has a, has a very big benefit, as, as TNT Radio proves. I suppose my conclusion from our conversation just now, Gemma, is it's not the technology that's at fault. It's what we do with it. Uh, and in the same way, as it's not harmful to eat sweets unless that's all you eat. Uh, so perhaps... The most difficult thing of all is finding a balance in life. And perhaps the balance has gone wrong. That's what I would say, Gemma. I think you're very wise there. The middle path. That is always the way, the middle path. I set up a group called The Middle Way once, but that's another story. Um, And it succeeded, but that was 25 years ago. I I was the future once, Gemma. Thanks so much, Gemma. (laughs) That is Gemma. Cooper uh, here, very own uh, TNT's very own Gemma Cooper. What do you think of what you said? Lots of comments coming in. I'll get to those in just a moment. Coming up next, we're going across the pond, across the Atlantic to the United States to find out what's going on on the southern border by a high-achieving activist. Uh, it's Triana williams Bribriascus. Uh, she'll be joining us just in a couple of minutes here on Lem Derby Show on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 
49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get Rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. of the hour we'll keep on top of the news it's the most important thing we can do on today's news talk tnt radio good morning 23 minutes past seven in the united kingdom greenwich meantime 11 hours later in sydney melbourne wherever you are in the world welcome to the show coming up in the rest of this hour we'll be having a look around the news with uh Alan McGowan and I want to see if we can get a lawyer on to talk about a developing story about increasing fees for visas and immigration into the UK are we trying to price uh, arriving in the UK out of the market 
we'll see if we can get something on that too. Lots of comments in the chat, especially about uh, social media. Um, Just a bloke says, neither my wife nor I have ever used social media and have always seen it as a positive. Delighted to see that even my daughter's now switching it off. Uh, thanks to that. Alex says, uh, I think it might just be the banishing of the worst bots that is responsible for the drop in users. Uh, Threads is dying, isn't it? It was rapidly downloaded at the time. But uh, it's created big time since then. Uh, Jethro says, young people are dumber than ever thanks to digital devices and social media. Jethro, you're getting old. You're getting old. The laughter you're hearing there from my next guest, by the way, is comparatively young. You probably just offended her there, Jethro. Uh, one more from Alex. Don't bother with threads. Yeah, that's why I don't trust uh, um, Linda, you, Carissa, Reno. Mm, people people are disappointed in Elon when he hired her. Okay, I see. Oh, yes, I see what you mean. I see it works there. Right, let's go on to somebody who is younger. No offence there to you, Triana Williams-Bribieskas, social, I'm sorry, um, public affairs consultant in the United uh, <laughs> States of America. Uh, good morning. It must be middle of the night for you in the US. Where are you in America? Um, I'm actually, good morning, um, or early morning for me it's actually 12 o'clock in the morning here or 12 25 i'm in sunland park new mexico in a border town located over here close to el paso texas and um what is mexico el so paso <laughs> el paso is meaningful to me because i it featured i think fairly heavily in breaking bad which is one of the greatest series ever come from the united states uh but you're you're here because you've got political insight and also you've got locational relevance i noticed that there's a big upsurge with uh, uh news coming out from the southern u.s border what is mm -hmm. going on there we occasionally see stories about building walls knocking walls down uh, opening the, the the barrier closing the barriers so given this the seeping news which has been increasing this week what's going on on the border why is it becoming newsworthy again it, it is becoming newsworthy again because um, think about this comparison and, and this will kind of open up your eyes a little bit more. We went from 400 immigrants crossing the border per day to 2,000 immigrants crossing the border per day. And that is a significant increase here in the borderlands of El Paso. Um, I live a hop, skip and away from El Paso. So you cross one street and there it is. Um, where I live, I have eight security cameras around my home and I, I, I probably see at least seven immigrants running in the front of my house regularly, at least once a week. Um, you go downtown in the downtown area and you're seeing such an influx of immigrants on, on a daily basis. And it's unfortunate because a lot of them are very young. A lot of them are not receiving adequate care, um, adequate health, um, adequate food, adequate housing. Um, and the streets are becoming polluted with trash and um, a lot of people. <laughs> and, uh, and, and during this time of year when we're supposed to be shopping um, mm. and celebrating the holidays, um, it, it's 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 becoming a serious issue and even though we're you know the border patrol is is trying to take all of the precautions of trying to um build extra precautions on the walls i i, I drive by it every day and they're they're adding more and more wire and more and more um manpower but it's it's really not it's really not making that much of an effort it's really well, not making that much of an impact 
Yeah, and, and the reason that we're talking with you is because the New York Times has featured heavily on uh, this subject heavily this this week. I actually said, and I quote from this week's New York Times, one of the editions, growing numbers of Chinese migrants are crossing the southern border. More than 24,000 Chinese citizens have been apprehended crossing into the United States from Mexico in the past year. So mm-hmm. it's not just Mexicans. Is this a porous border? No. That is causing genuine concern to America. Donald Trump would say so. What would you say? I I, I definitely agree. I, I don't believe it's just Mexicans. I mean, we're getting people from Venezuela. We're getting people from the Dominican Republic. We're getting people from Cuba. We're getting people from Asian um, Asian communities. I, I mean, we're getting people from everywhere. Um, it, it it almost seems like it's 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 as simple as just walking in at this point. Um, court dates that they're that they're giving is they're all the way out to 2026, and the processing times right now are within 24 hours. I mean, th- because they they literally have nowhere to hold hold these people at this point, mm-hmm. and so it's it's almost as if you know there really isn't um, any type of holding process as if people can just walk in, and I mean yeah. it's just the safety and the security of the U.S. right now is really just not. Mm-hmm. It seems as if it's not um, a priority at this point. And as I was researching the New York Times story, I found out there was a video of a train in Mexico, absolutely filled with migrants, migrants on the roof everywhere, coming to the U.S. border. It looks like a free-for-all. After all of the stuff talking about that border, is it fairly easy to get across if you're determined enough? I mean, if you really are determined enough, obviously, yes. Um, and I'm not going to say that the U.S. isn't taking the precautions that they need to take, but I mean, if, if we have this many people walking into a country and it's happening, it's going from 400 to 2,000 per day. We really have to question if the if the if the borders are really this porous. I mean, it's it's really something we really need to think about. I saw the same exact video, and it it's genuinely concerning it's extremely concerning last question for you now we'll come back to this uh, tj if i can call you that uh, uh yeah. in the future but the last thing uh, joe biden stood on a very clear ticket of not having a wall a month ago he approved a new section of wall um did i miss something <laughs> you know what <laughs> I do believe that we need to we need to fix the wall. I don't. I, I think that they're they they're getting in somewhere. It's not just at the border. There there are huge sections of these walls that are not fixed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we really have to stand our ground when we're making decisions. We can't make decisions um, just to please an audience and then and then go back on the decisions that we're making. Mm-hmm. And then new administrations need to kind of fulfill those those decisions and not go back on that um this title 42 that they've been talking about it's it's you know maybe something we could talk about in the future but i mean it's just and they're talking about joe biden the fact that he hasn't come i haven't seen him come here um and this border is just horrible it's horrible down here and he i haven't seen his presence here one time nor has he presented himself at any of the other borders that because El Paso is not the only border that's suffering at this point. It's pretty much every border at this point yeah. is a free-for-all. So 
I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where it, where is he at? Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, your person, our own person on the ground uh, at that south, uh, south of, of North America border, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of that? And it's getting mixed up with the language there. TJ telling no us problem. there's a real problem there. Really appreciate you being up in the middle of the night. Of uh, course. Give me your calls and comments as well. Coming up next, uh, we've got Anna uh, McGovern, uh, TV commentator, writer, expert in conservative politics, giving us uh, a quick look at some of the other stories making the headline. So I'm Lemma Topic. This is TNT Radio. Great news. The news. We have news. Great news. Great news. Great news. Great news, my friends. Yeah. L- listen. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Experts are warning we are staring down the barrel of a humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza, where hundreds of thousands of people are on the brink of famine. Israel has been accused of replacing Palestinians freed from its prisons with fresh detainees captured in the West Bank. And Finland has now threatened to close its entire border with Russia, accusing Moscow of waging hybrid warfare on the country by funneling asylum seekers through its border checkpoints. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Lambert Opic with you for just under half an hour here on TNT Radio, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the home of free speech. That's TNT Radio. And coming up next is someone who is definitely a champion of free speech. It's Anna McGovern, a TV commentator, writer, expert in conservative politics and culture, and a lot more besides. Anna, thanks for joining us on TNT Radio. Thank you very much for having me. You have got such a positive manner. Even when you bring bad news, it sounds like fun. What do you got for us today? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to be positive in times that are pretty dreary. But for today, um, I'm going to be talking about the housing crisis and particularly um, talking about young people and how they're impacted by it. So this is a report commissioned by the Adam Smith Institute that discusses about building on the green belt. And it kind of exposes a lot of the misconceptions surrounding the green belt because it was discovered that you know there's a quite a large majority of people that were opposed to building on the green belt due to the fact that they were thinking about protecting green spaces and climate change when really the purpose of the green belt doesn't actually serve to do any of those things so um with the green belt in itself a lot there's a lot of misconceptions as i said um but one of the predominant purposes for it is to actually to check the unrestricted sprawl of large built up areas and to prevent neighboring towns merging into a number uh, like one another whereas a lot of people think when they hear green belt they think oh it's about protecting those green spaces now a lot of people are against building on the green belt because of these reasons but actually by not doing so young people are being priced out of the housing market and they're not able to afford their own homes um so for example like brownfield sites um which are able definitely able to be built on though they have room currently for 1.2 million homes and we're not building on them and i just think that we need to change our perceptions on this to get young people on that housing ladder uh the issue when I was a member of parliament that I recall, and I was actually a shadow housing minister, was this. Every government promised to build more houses, but none of them really did, or not in the numbers that kept up with uh, the increase in population. 
can any government actually do this with uh, a net increase in the population, mainly through migration of three quarters of a million in the last 12 months or so? I don't think that we can trust the government for anything personally. And I think that we've seen with every prime minister that's come through, they make empty promises and don't abide by any of it. We see the Labour Party as well. They'll put out one policy initiative to contradict the Conservatives and then backtrack on it a few weeks later. Everyone is lying. Everyone's trying to get into number 10 or keep their seat in number 10. I think that we've heard the same rhetoric for so long now. Um, I think one of the biggest factors of this is the fact that we're not controlling immigration either it's gone completely out of control and no government has been able to handle it and I think that we can't trust the government personally for anything and we just have to keep standing up and criticizing them and calling them out for their mistakes to actually see any real change happen or rather than just believing and hoping that it will uh I understand your skepticism and I say that as somebody who was in it for a while I left that I left it feeling skeptical myself uh just one last one uh, in when i was growing up i'm in my 50s when i was growing up the assumption was that if you did well in life you'd be able to buy a house do young people have any real expectation of owning their own property these days or is that just a a dream that's that's flown now it's a pipe dream. I think for many young people, they've come to accept the fact that they probably won't be able to uh, purchase or have their own home. And I think that's an increasing concern for many young people. I think that this could be solved by cutting down on immigration and building on the greenbelt sites that can be built on to actually get young people on the housing ladder and put support in place to help them be able to do so. Uh, now, and a related story, uh... To this is uh, Rishi Sunak's been really under a lot of pressure to take, and I quote, uh, urgent action um, uh, to enact radical immigration limits before Christmas. And this is coming at us because of these figures that I think over a 12 month period, I think it was in 2022, uh, we had three quarters of a million uh, people coming into this country. Um, I know that you've managed to um, uh, talk about housing there, but is the is there an underlying issue in the UK from your previous experience here that migration is out of control or is that just one of those headlines that people use to try and win votes no, it's definitely out of control. We've seen this with our public services as well. No one's able to access the GP anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, when once we could be able, you know, be able to access our healthcare services. Also, lockdown was a big factor of that, in my opinion. But I think mm-hmm. in terms of immigration, the government have no handle on it whatsoever. They keep promising to. Um, I don't think Brexit actually achieved that either. And I think that we actually needed to go harder on that. Um, but personally, mm-hmm. I think it's gone to a stage where it's completely unchecked and the government have no handling on it whatsoever. Um, I think, though, that we hear these kind of, um, you know, phrases all over again, you know, over and over that, you know, the government needs to, uh, you know, come down on immigration, but they never do. Um, It's just all sound bites to me at this point. Uh, It does seem, you mentioned before, that there's this kind of uh, race to the top or race to the bottom, depending how you look at it, where, uh, Sunak, the Tory, the Conservative uh, Prime Minister says something and then the opposition leader who wants to be Prime Minister says, I'll do it more, I'll do it sooner, um, I'll do it higher. Uh, an example of that seems to be on the environment where Rishi Sunak has said now, well, I want to slow down a bit on the green movement and the green agenda, but uh, someone says, I want to do it faster. Uh, is this credible? Uh, you may not be an expert on this, I don't know, but 
it seems to me that the faster you try to enact green policies, the quicker you wreck the British economy. I think that, again, a lot of them are just going to perpetuate the same sound bites over and over. And I wouldn't trust what they say, because as we've seen consistently with many of their different policy points and ideas that they put forward, they will just change with the tide. They'll change what the they, the audience wants to hear, what the voters will actually vote them for. And I personally wouldn't trust anything that they put forward because, you know, they make promises in their manifesto. They haven't met it. And I actually think that come the next general election, the Conservatives will pay the price for it. And I actually think they do need to pay the price for it. I think they need to go back in the back benches and actually have time to reconsider who they are as a party and what do they actually stand for? Because we do not have a Conservative government currently in power. Yes, uh, insider knowledge here. I was in the British Parliament last week and the general mood is amongst the Conservatives, not about whether they can win, but by how little they can lose. That's mm. more or less the mindset they've got now. Um, your prediction for the next election before we finish? Just make a wild guess. I think that Labour will get into power and I hope that by them coming into power that the Conservatives will have time to go in the backbenches and reevaluate who they are as a party and then eventually be able to make a comeback um, as an actual Conservative government that could deliver on the promises that they once said they would. Uh, and uh, when do you think the election will take place? Oh, so, uh, apologies. What do you mean? When do I think? No, 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 no. I, you, you answered my question. I just think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But when do you think the election will be? Um, I believe it's around May 2024, if my understanding is correct. Um, and I think, as I said as well, I think it'll be quite a drastic loss for the Conservative Party. I think they'll wait till October, but we'll wait and see. Anna McGovern, thank you so much for joining us and for your candidness as well. That's Anna McGovern. What do you think about what she said? Uh, lots of comment uh, is uh, coming in here. Holly says, unfortunately, Anna, it's a government of occupation, no real opposition. Uh, new approach requires some on. Uh, come on, you young people. It's your future. I think Holly's banging the table there. Uh, getting pretty angry as well. Uh, right, coming up next, uh, we've got a lawyer coming on to talk about uh, two legal matters, uh, immigration and also Harry, former, formerly known as Prince Harry. That's all with me, Lemba Topic, here on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked Shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones. He pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. Can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that 
Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Lambert Opic on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Lambert Opic with you for about a quarter of an hour. Thanks very much for joining me. A lot of chat going on there. Uh, Holly says perhaps a fresh approach with community land buying and building is needed to solve the housing problems in the UK. A different way of living. Thanks for that. Uh, Alex, I'm going to read this. I know this is narcissistic. I'm going to read it. Alex says, I've got to say I'm a huge fan of Chris Smith, but I'm a huge fan of Lembodopic too. Thank you, Alex. We're not in competition, Chris and I. He is an absolutely great friend. And that's the nice thing about working here. Uh, We actually have these kinds of debates off air as well. So when we're on air, you hear a snapshot of what we're like when we're not on air. There's uh, no real pretense uh, amongst us, I think. Um, and Madrid says rather cynically, makes no difference who's in control. Yeah, I know why you say that. I understand that. Uh, thanks very much for your calls and comments. Keep them coming. Now, we've been talking about a couple of things of interest, uh, which I raised at the beginning of the hour. Uh, one of them uh, was the question of uh, migration and the legal system. Uh, joining me now... Uh, to answer whether there are legal restrictions which aren't being applied at the moment is uh, a lawyer uh, in the north of England. Uh, That is Peter Morn. Peter, thanks for joining us on TNT Radio. Good morning, Lambert, and everyone. Uh, Just on the first point, then, I just want to talk about two things. Uh, The second one, because it's just come up in the news today. On the first one, we can see that Rishi Sunak, the Conservative Prime Minister of Britain, is having a massive headache because it looks like the Brexit party, the, the party who who said we could own our borders, is presiding over record immigration. Now, is that because they're not applying the rules and the law, or is it because there are no laws to stop this migration from taking place, Peter? Well, there, there are plenty of laws. Uh, enforcing them is the problem, not making them. Um, I mean, I'm no fan of uh, Mr. Sunak or the current government, but in fairness, it didn't matter who's in government. You have to enforce it. The system that we have for enforcement, the number of bodies we have to enforce, they're all extremely difficult and extremely difficult to to apply. Given that, and also the fact Kingdom is geographically just a really short hop across the English Channel, which is a very narrow stretch of water. Coupling that with the fact that there are so many uh, criminals who are profiting from the misfortunes of those people who are desperate to get here, and you're always going to have a problem. And if we could put thousands more enforcement officers on the water, we would be able to. uh, we would be able to stem the flow, but you can't just do that. And again, bearing in mind that the people that are getting here are desperate to get the United Kingdom. I mean, I like the United Kingdom. I don't know whether I'd be that desperate to get here, but I love it very much. And 
they want to share in that. Uh, and where there are legal processes, it's quicker if you can do it illegally. And more to the point, you can avoid the rules which say we only want these people in. We don't want every ragtag and bobtail in. And that's, that's inevitably going to be a problem. But it's not making the laws. It's enforcing them. That's the problem, in my opinion. Now, the, the reason we have you on today, and I'm grateful that you've joined us on TNT Radio, is because Robert Jenrick, who's the immigration minister, said yesterday all options are under review to curb legal, legal migration. But I don't understand that. If it's legal migration, why is he curbing it? Is it th that he well, wants to stop <laughs> the legal migration, or is he wants to stop? Does he want to stop the illegal migration? Well, the the, the talking point normally is the illegal. Uh, my immigration, but perhaps we're going to have to tighten the rules on the legal immigration because the numbers are huge of those people who are coming into the country legally. But what do you do with that? I, I just don't think there's an easy option. But the problem is politically, politically, because of the old uh, United Kingdom Independence Party, which is now rearing its its ugly right-wing head again they are putting pressure on the government they are uh, allegedly recruiting numbers from the conservative party into their own ranks and they have a far-right agenda and i think they would just shut up shop and have guns everywhere on the border and stop anybody coming in legally or illegally and that's a, a huge political imperative for this government because of its but political nature Robert Jenrick said, and I'm quoting now from yesterday, uh, yesterday in Parliament in the United Kingdom, we believe that the level of legal migration into this country is far too high and has very profound impacts upon access to public services, upon the productivity of our economy, and about the ability of the UK to be a socially cohesive and united country. And that is why we need to take action. In other words, he's saying he wants to reduce the legal migration even though I would imagine there aren't many people in the boats coming across the English Channel who are legally immigrants. Oh no, they're, they're, they're definitely illegal immigrants. But the, the problem is that the recently published numbers have shown that there are huge numbers of people coming into the country legally. So therefore, the only solution to that is to change the law. But if you change the law and say you can't come into our country legally, then that's probably simply going to encourage more to come in illegally but that's it we're you know we're only a short time away from the next general election we've got a shaky conservative government who are unlikely at the moment to get re-elected and they need to convince their own supporters that they are the best people to do the job i'm not convinced of that but i never would be but the the, the problem is you've got all of these factors in a good way a good high profile way of showing what true right-wing conservatives you are is to change the law and to reduce the numbers of people coming into this country we are a huge mix in this country of all different backgrounds nationalities and so on and that to try to restrict that is very much in favor with those on the right wing and i think we've got all uh, those elements now whether they will get it done uh, is a different matter uh, i want to talk about uh, harry in a minute as well but just on this point one thing that bothers me is this. Britain is meant to be open for business, the go-to destination for inward investment from around the world. 
if you cut legal migration, that could mean you make it harder for high value people who come into this country to build the economy from settling here. In fact, Robert Jenrick even says, and I quote him again, uh, we have already announced a specific policy with respect to dependence, which comes into force at the beginning of next year. We think that will have a substantive impact on the levels of net migration. But as the Prime Minister sa has said, we are keeping all options under review. In other words, if you're a captain of industry or somebody very high up in a multinational company and you're asked to come to the UK, this could mean it's harder for you to get here. How does that even fit with the government's plan and promise to make Britain uh, some hive of industry post-Brexit? Well, it doesn't. It quite simply doesn't. <laughs> but it's not just those high-value. It's not just those high-value uh, immigrants we want. We do want them. It's not just that. We also need the nurses. We need the, the not unqualified nurses, the people that keep our National Health Service going, people that keep our service industries going. There are not enough people here to do that. We need them too. I think this is political flag waving at its very worst. And I don't think we can do this. Where perhaps you introduce a system which other countries have a, a more strict system of points. If you don't get the relevant number of points, then you can't come into the country to live. But uh, you know, how do you allocate those points? It's very, very difficult. Uh, and I think that we're suffering from politics with a capital P, and it's and it's going to damage us if we're not careful. It's a bit like having a fixation with sending illegal immigrants to Rwanda. It's it's a very high-profile thing to do, but a it doesn't work. We don't think, and b it's illegal anyway. Uh, so it it's we're in a right mess. We need to look at our immigration figures, but. This is not the way to do it. Try and put let, let, politics to one side. Let, let me just share a few comments, and I want to talk about Harry uh, after this, Peter, so stay there. Uh, Holly says the criminals are in the government as well as in the boats. It's a new army in the making. Madrid says all young men of a fighting age. Mm, tell me I'm wrong. Where are the women and children and the elderly? If they are all genuine migrants, wake up. Chris says the agenda is not to stop anything, but to flood this country to cause civil unrest. Uh, Holly adds, do any of your politician chums have an opinion on this then, but are they aware that it's an army being created? Uh, that's not how they would see it, Holly, I don't think, but uh, I'll ask them next time I'm in there. Madrid says they're being dispersed all over Great Britain. He goes on to say, good people wanting to come here don't come on dinghies. Mm, well, um, once again, I haven't got a sample uh, uh, of research on that. Uh, Holly agrees, and Madrid says workers are leaving the National Harming Service in droves. Well, the health service done me quite a lot of good, but there we go. Um, uh, keep your calls and comments coming on that. No doubt we'll return to this again in the near future. Peter, I just wanted to finish with another subject, which I began with a couple of hours ago. Um, Harry, I'm not sure if we still call him a prince, Harry Markle, um, who moved to the United States, seems to be in endless litigation primarily against the media and now he seems to be in litigation about uh his security when he's in the uk is there a lot of precedent or is there any precedent for someone as litigious as harry emanating from the royal family do you know not not as far as i know there's not no it, it seems to be go-to solution when he's in the corner he goes to goes to court i think uh i think harry's a very sad young man and i feel 
heartily sorry for him because I don't know quite why he's doing what he's doing, but uh, he shouldn't be doing it. I mean, litigating is not the way to solve any problems when you're in that position. He is very high profile. He's not a core member of the royal family anymore, but that's of his choosing. Uh, and you can't have your cake and eat it. He's got to learn that. And he's possibly going to have to learn it at the end of a judicial finding because you can't say, I want all the protection of the member of the royal family, but I'm not prepared to toe the royal family line. You just can't have it always, but you can't run to court. Court is a very serious matter. It's not something that you go to just to sustain your argument. It's where you need a legal solution to a legal problem. It's not where you go for a solution to a family upset. And that's probably the underlying motivation. I think it's, uh, he needs a friend to put an arm around him and just say, come on now, Harry, let's sort this out. What's the real problem? Let's see if we can resolve this. Uh, and it may be that the real problem is him and his brother and his father, but hey, who am I to say I'm not in that family? But I have to be nice to them, or otherwise I'll never get my knighthood. <laughs> not sure that it would come directly from the king, but okay. Uh, question for you then. If you were Harry's legal counsel, what would your legal advice be to him now about these various things? He wants, he wants security. He wants the, the press to take a different tack. By the way, I've got some sympathy on the latter because I've experienced a lot of trouble with the press too. But what would be your advice? Well, I mean, each, each of those elements has to be looked at as an individual case. Um, it's a friend he needs more than a lawyer, I think, to be honest, somebody that he can take guidance from. But I would look at each case individually and say, well, you've got a chance of winning here. You've got a better than average chance of winning here, or you don't have a chance of winning. And that's got to be the motivation for a lawyer. You go to court, you go to law, and it's an expensive business if you lose. Uh, normally in this country, uh, in civil litigation, well, the winner takes all. So that if you go to court and win, you don't have a big bill to pick up normally, although that can be, uh, can be varied by the judge, but you don't normally. So the question is going to be, can you win the case? If you can win the case and you've got a more than 50% chance of winning the case, then by all means, go for it. And that's what you have to look at as a lawyer and be dispassionate with regard to the personal elements. But this is a very personal matter in many cases. I mean, the, as you rightly say, the press leaving you alone, he's entitled to be left alone as a private citizen, but he's in a peculiar position because he's not Joe Public. He is or was, and I get confused as well as to whether he still is, he is a, a, a prince of the royal blood, and therefore he's not just Joe Average. He's a special case but he doesn't have any special standing in a court. So his lawyers have to apply the law and give him legal advice. But the world has to judge him on what he is, what he was, and what he still could be if he went back. Thank you, uh, Peter. Maybe soon to be Sir Peter Morn. Who knows? Depends who's listening. <laughs> uh, that's uh, a legal counsel from the north of England, Peter Morn, saying that what Harry needs is a friend, not a lawyer. Uh, I'll be interested to return to that, see how those cases develop. My time with you is up.
Thank you to Peter and all my other guests today. Uh, we've been all over the world today. We've been in Australia. We've been in America. We've been in Turkey. And we've been in the United Kingdom. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. That's 5 p.m. Sydney time. I hope you found some or all of what we discussed interesting. Thank you so much for the chat. It's been particularly lively today. Uh, always happy to hear what you want to talk about as well, <laughs> within reason. Uh, that's where we find our answers, uh, by talking together, by being open, by not restricting anybody, and by giving you a true and genuine, sincere global platform for free speech. That's my mission every morning. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Len Topic. This is TNT Radio.